This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and I am joined today by Torch columnists Anwar Perez and Matt Pelkey. This is our UFC 110 preview edition. Um, guys, we've got now only nine fights on this card. Uh, breaking news before we got on the air here. Uh, uh, both Ben Rothwell and Elvis Sinisic had to pull out of this, uh, this card. So Mirko Krokop is now fighting, um, an Australian fighter named Anthony Peroche on, uh, uh, two days notice here. And the Sinisic Haseman fight on the undercard is off. Um, so down to nine fights here. But, uh, we, we've got uh, a bunch of really good fights, both on the prelims and on the main card. Some with um, definite impl- implications in the divisions that these guys are fighting in, um, ma- mainly in the main event with uh, either Cain Velasquez or Antonio Rodrigo Noguera having a major chance at a title shot later in the year, uh, depending on what happens between Shane Carwin and Frank Mir next month. So um, after getting past UFC 109, uh, how are you guys looking forward to this one? Uh, Matt, let's start with you. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this card. Uh, I think... Top to bottom, uh, I mean, eight of the nine fights that are, are still going are, are worth seeing. Um, the Krokop fight doesn't seem that exciting all of a sudden. I was all ready to pick Ben Rothwell, but uh, that pretty much seems like a walkover for Krokop now. But the rest of the card looks looks pretty darn good. Um, looking over my predictions, I, I actually have six of the nine fights still going to decision, much like I did uh, last time with UFC 109. I just... I feel like the matchups here are, are going to produce some more exciting fights. Um, like you said, it, except for really the top two fights, um, there's not a lot of uh, contender action going on in the rest of these fights as far as the the title picture in their respective divisions. But uh, it should be a fun night of fights. It's the, the, the Australian debut, so I'm pretty excited about that. I know we have a handful of uh, Australian readers at MMA Torch, so I, I hope they got their tickets to the show and... Uh, are going to go have a great time. Anwar, what are your thoughts here on the uh, Australian debut, and what are you most looking forward to on this card? To be fair, I'm really excited about this card, and I think I've been excited about this card more than the first few um, fight cards we've seen in the year from the UFC. When this card was announced, I think mostly late December, early January, when everything started kind of getting pushed back due to injuries of 108, you know, this card was shaping up to be something crazy because, I mean, you had a lot of you, – it's not just – the fights are going to be great, but then you've got a lot of the bigger, you know, stars and former pride guys like Van Silva and, of course, Krokop and Nogueira. But then you got the young upstarts like Velasquez and you got Michael Bisping back in the hunt again. I mean, I think this card is just solid. I think this is probably going to be where the UFC comes out with a bang. This is where, you know, they start out slow. They start out pretty well and slow with 108. It's a good pay-per-view, but not that great. You know, all right. Then went to, you know, 109, and it was all right. Now this is where it starts hitting big. This is where it's going to be bang, bang, bang. And, I, and it's very exciting. So I'm looking forward to actually all the fights. I can actually say that there's not one fight on the main card or even the prelim card where I'm just kind of like, well, I mean, you know, now all the fights are very well put together, and I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I mean, UFC 108 and 109 and uh, Fight Night 20, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the drinks at the beginning of the night. We're kind of getting the appetizer here. Uh, with UFC 110 before we head into the, the main course in March with three major events. And this is really where they're kind of getting back on and, um, you know, just turning things, turning things around a little bit after a couple of less than stellar drawing cards and, uh, fight, fights that just weren't completely appealing. This one has 
um, a ton of really interesting fights. But uh, as we would have started this talking about Mirko Krokop against Ben Rothwell, um, this is I, I think we're all in agreement here that on two days' notice uh, against a, a relatively uh, well, a completely unknown for us here in the States, Anthony Peroche. This is a crow cop rolling over him. Do I have any disagreements? No. Nope, not for me. We'll move it on to Keith Jardine and Ryan Bader in a light heavyweight bout. This is the Season 8 Ultimate Fighter winner in Ryan Bader, taking on Keith Jardine, coming off two losses for the first time um, in his career, uh, two two losses in a row to Rampage Jackson and then Tiago Silva last August. Um, this is the first time he's fought since that August bout. Bader has looked really good in his undefeated career. He's had uh, a couple of spots where he, he, he struggled a little bit. He had, he had a tougher fight against Carmelo Marrero than he probably should have. Um, but, uh, I mean, he, he's definitely a highly talented prospect, and he's taking a step up in competition, no doubt, as Jardine has fought some of uh, the best of the best in the light heavyweight division. Not always to his benefit. It hasn't always gone his way. Um, but, I mean, Keith Jardine is one of those guys that you just never really know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, he's either going to come in and um, put on a really good performance and hang with a guy in losing a decision, he'll go on and win a decision that same way, or he'll get knocked out in two minutes. If Bader can connect with that right hand that he is capable of throwing, um, I, I mean, he, he could make this an early night for Jardine. I don't think it's it's going to happen that easy. I think Jardine is going to be able to stick and move uh, for a little while, much like he was able to do against Rampage for three rounds. But Bader's going to eventually get him down to the ground. I see this one going by ground and pound TKO for Bader in the third. Uh, Anmar, your thoughts on Jardine versus Bader here? You know, I really like the fight. I'm, I'm actually a fan of both fighters, so, you know, it's kind of interesting to see them both fight each other. But, you know, the one thing that's always struck me about Jardine, you, you, you always hear this when they're having him, having this fight, you know, He's got this unorthodox style. He's got this unorthodox style. I think that's kind of run its course. I think that his unorthodox style isn't so unorthodox, and now people are picking up on it, and that's why he's, he's losing. He's, in a weird way, he's the style that made him kind of hard to beat or kind of hard to fight is also what's kind of killing him now. So now, you know, he's finding a guy like Bader who's got a lot to prove, you know, and he does have that power in his right hand. You know, his wrestling is really, is really well. You know, Jardine can handle a lot, but I just think, in the end, Bader, I think, I don't know if it's a TKO, I think I'll go with the decision, though, for Bader. Matt, your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, I think that's that some really good analysis there, Anwar. I think, uh, as far as Keith Jardine goes, you're right, um, a couple years ago, he was really kind of tough to figure out, um, and he was getting matched up with a lot of guys who were willing to stand and strike with him, and it's not like you can really get a, trade, uh, a training partner to mimic Keith Jardine's style. Uh, but now that we've seen him over the years, he hasn't really evolved his game all that much. And now there's a lot of tape to break down on his fights. Uh, I mean, he's fought a ton of times in the UFC now. He, he's been to decisions uh, a few times. So there's plenty of, of stuff to work with for trainers now that can come up with a game plan and figure him out. And I can't help but feel like this is a kind of a gift-wrapped big win, um, at least in name, for, for Ryan Bader. Um it's a terrible matchup for Keith Jardine. Uh, Jardine, he knocked out Forrest Griffin, but I don't really think that's as big of a deal as we thought it was at the time. Um, 
I don't think he really has that much power in his hands. I don't think he's going to be able to knock out Ryan Bader. I think Bader will stand with him until he gets annoyed at Jardine's style, and then he's going to shoot for a, a single or a double leg and, and take him down. And, and when somebody's on top of Key Jardine, his, his, his terrible chin becomes even more apparent. Uh, we saw it against Vanderlei Silva, um, just manhandling him uh, on top. And I, and I think we're going to see that again here from, from Ryan Bader. I think he gets the takedown somewhere midway through the first round and starts working his ground and pound and eventually lands the kill shot sometime late in the first round. Moving on to Joe Stevenson against George Sotoropoulos. Um, I love this fight. This is a great lightweight fight. Um, a big step up in competition for Sotoropoulos, who uh, has, has looked extremely good in the fights he's had in the octagon. His top game is really fast. His transitions are excellent. Um, and, and this one's going to come down to a ground fight. I, I really see that because Stevenson's going to believe that his wrestling is superior and he'll be able to do what he needs to do in a ground battle against Sotoropoulos. It comes down to who can get the other, the other guy on their back and, and take advantage from there. I, I really like Sotoropoulos in the upset pick here. He's, a, I believe, what, plus 210 to 250, something like that, coming in here. Stevenson's a, a healthy favorite. Um, he looked really good in his last two fights since moving over to Greg Jackson's camp. Uh, but I, I just really like George Sotoropoulos in this fight, and I think he's going to find a way to submit Joe Stevenson in the second round in this one. Um, I, I just I see him being able to put Stevenson on his back at some point in this fight, and... and you know, at, at wrestlers don't like to be on their backs, plain and simple. And, and with Sotoropoulos' top game, he's going to find a way to submit uh, Joe Daddy. Uh, Matt, how do you see this one going? Um, I'm with you on the fact that I'm really excited for this fight. Uh, ever since it's been announced, I was I was really excited for it. Sotoropoulos gets to fight in front of the hometown fans. Uh, he gets finally a nice step up in competition. He's on a main card for the first time. Um, and we've seen his other undercard fights because he's made such quick work of his opponents in such impressive fashion. I, I don't really know what's taken the UFC so long to to give him a nice uh, test like this. Um, I, I would really like to call the upset here. Uh, Sotoropoulos has a lot of tools. Um, I just don't think that he can win the wrestling battle with, with Joe Stevenson. If this was the Joe Stevenson of a, a year or two ago, I'd probably call the upset because I think he would um, be too willing to get up uh, in stand-up exchanges with Sotoropoulos, who, who has better boxing than, than Joe Stevenson. But now that he's been working with Greg Jackson, we've seen it in his last two performances. He's he's taking the smart approach. He's using his wrestling. He's dominating on top. Uh, I, re- I really think as long as he can avoid being swept, um, he's going to take a decision here. Uh, I like Sotoropoulos. I like his future. I'm glad he's getting this opportunity. I just don't like the matchup for him. Anwar, your thoughts here? Uh, I think I'm going to agree with both, agree with both of y'all. You know, it's pretty much an awesome fight. You know, there's really good implications for futures in the lightweight division with this. Sotoropoulos, I was a fan of his when I, I believe, what was it, Ultimate Fighter 6 with Sarah and Hughes. I liked him. I thought he was a really good fighter. I'm glad that, you know, kept him on. Obviously, UFC is too because he's been producing wins. And now, you know, he's got a stern test against Joe Stevenson, who has two fights that just look ridiculous. Like, you know, Matt made a good point. You know, two years ago, Joe Stevenson versus Sotoropoulos. Now, you would probably pick Sotoropoulos just because of the way it was. Stevenson wasn't, I wouldn't say he was erratic. He just didn't have that look. As, he, didn't, he didn't have that fire in him, whereas now he's just really 
campus game plan up and get, you know everything with a great Texas camp. And I just I I just see Stevenson just bullying him really. I think I think Sarropolis has kind of got you know it's a lot on him. He also got to remember he's in his really first big fight. He's in his home country. You know that's going to probably weigh down on him a, a lot. But at the same time, as I think Stevenson is just probably going to um, bully him around, and it'll probably be a, a decision for me for Stevenson. Moving on, we've got a middleweight showdown with Vanderlei Silva making his debut at 185 pounds, taking on Brit Michael Bisping. Um, you know what? I'm just going to get out of the way here. This is Silva's fight for the taking for me. I, I, you know what? Bisping looked very good against Dennis Kang, but were it not for that second-round performance, and uh, his defense from the guard in the first round after getting knocked down, we wouldn't be giving him uh, nearly as much of a shot as many people are giving him in this fight. A lot of people are picking him outright. Um, I think Vanderlei, with as much time off as he's had to rest and heal up, you know, get his facial surgeries, get the, that scar tissue out of there, um, and, 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 you know, just really train to get his body ready for this cut to 185. Uh, I, I really, really like Vanderlei Silva in this fight. I think he's going to find a way to connect on Michael Bisping at some point. Um, he's he's just a harder hitter, a, a much better striker, and Bisping does not have the power that Rampage Jackson does. Chuck Liddell couldn't put Vanderlei Silva out. I mean, Silva's chin has been tested before, and, and you know what, it's been weaker in recent years. He's been he's had a, a few knockouts over, over the last six or seven fights of his career. But I, I like Vanderlei a lot in this fight. I don't see... Michael Bisping finding a way to win this one. Uh, I, I think he's going to get knocked down like Dennis Kang knocked him down, except this time Silva's not going to let him cover up in, in the guard for uh, the entire round and let him recover. Um, I'm taking Silva in the second. Uh, Amwar, where are you at with uh, with Vanderlei's move to 185 here? I'm, I'm 100% behind Vanderlei Silva. I mean, like you said, Jamie, Bisping doesn't have the power of like a Rampage Jackson. You know, in fact, a lot of people don't have that kind of power. You know, one thing is, you know, like you said, Chuck Liddell couldn't put him out. You know, Rampage did, but this thing, he just has a, he, he's, he's, he can be really selective with the strikes. He's not that bad. And, you know, he's got, he's worked on his ground game on defense and stuff, but he, he just doesn't seem, he's good at everything, but he's not perfect at one thing. Whereas Silva is good at a few things, but if he lands, he's perfect with that punch. He'll hit you. For that, you're down. I don't think his, you know, I think you're right. His chin has gone weakened, but I don't think his hands are. I think he's just this explosive, you know, if he connects as if he was back in the pride days. I really think that if Van Lake can make a statement here, that puts him kind of close near the top already because of the middleweight division and where it's kind of going, where it seems because of Tal Stoney getting hurt and, you know, Damian Maya jumping up, you know, there's a few gaps there where Silva can have one more fight and maybe jump up to something, you know, we never thought we'd see Silva versus Silva. But at the same time is, Bisping will probably give him a little trouble. But other than that, I see Bisping taking it second round, hands down. No questions asked. You mean Vanderlei on that one? Yeah, my bad. My bad. All right, Matt. Are you going to tell us we're wrong here, or where are you at? Um. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys you're wrong. Um <laughs> Wow. Uh, it's not even that, uh, I mean, you guys are making the point that, you know, Michael Bisping obviously doesn't hit as hard as as, uh, as Rampage or even Chuck Waddell, obviously, um, but but that's not his game. Um, if he comes in with a game plan of, I'm going to 
plant my foot, stand in the pocket, and throw as hard as I can and try and knock Vanderlei out, then he's going to get knocked out. And, and I think he knows that. Uh, his game plan is is to stick and move. He's uh, a much more precise striker than Vanderlei Silva. Um, I think Silva, in his heyday, um, could get away with um, n- not having the world's greatest chin ever. I mean, he never had the strongest chin. It's gotten a little bit weaker over the years, but it's still been the ever-so-slight question mark that it's always been. Um, my thinking is, I think Vanderlei has lost a step. Uh, I think his his style is, is kind of archaic at this point. Um, he still throws winging, wild, looping punches, uh, and at least he was throwing them fast and with a lot of force a couple of years ago. Uh, he seems to have lost some speed, uh, and with that, I think he's lost some power, and I just don't see him... I see him being a step behind Michael Bisping throughout this entire fight. Um, I see Bisping popping him with a, a combo and then being gone by the time Vanderlei wings one of those punches. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a rinse-and-repeat formula for Bisping for 15 minutes, and I see him pulling off the, the mild upset here and uh, taking a decision. All right, well, we'll move it on to the main event here. Cain Velasquez against Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira. This one is quite possibly for a number one contendership, depending on what happens next month at UFC 111 between Frank Mir and Shane Carwin. Um, I'm really surprised that Cain Velasquez is, is the slight favorite in this. Um, I, I mean, he has looked very good and in, in, is an undefeated fighter, but this is, this is Nogueira we're talking about, and after the return to form he had against Randy Couture, um, and, and coming back into this, and, and uh, you know, he had to delay this one, yes, for another staff infection, but he didn't take the fight uh, early like he did against Frank Mir. I, I think we're going to see more of the Noguera we saw uh, um, against Randy Couture and less of the one that we saw the first two rounds against Tim Sylvia and uh, against Frank Mir as well. I just don't think Cain Velasquez, this is, again comes down to the ability to put someone away. I don't think Cain Velasquez has that yet. He's been working on it and is trying to develop it, but um, coming off of the, the, the win he had against Ben Rothwell last September, I don't know if another six months um, is enough for him to have developed the power to put out Antonio Noguera. Um, I, I mean, it's just something that only one person has done, and it was on the worst night of Noguera's fighting career. Uh, I, I really, really like Noguera here in this one. I think it's going to come down to a ground battle, uh, and, and Velasquez is going to score points with his wrestling. His, he's going to score points with his takedown. He's going to work a little ground and pound in there. But we've seen lots of guys do that against Noguera and not come out victorious. Uh, I, I, I think Noguera picks up uh, a, a submission in the third round as Kane takes this one to the ground because I, I think Noguera is going to have the advantage on the feet as well. It's going to take uh, Velasquez bringing this one to the ground after getting frustrated for a couple of rounds. Uh, I just really like Noguera in this fight, and part of that is me wanting to see him take on Brock Lesnar in the future. Um, part of that is not thinking is thinking Velasquez does not have the power to knock him out, which I think he has to do to win this fight. Um, and uh, the other part is just, I really think Noguera has has what it takes to win this fight. I'm taking him in the third. Uh, Matt, who you got in the main event? I have Cain Velasquez in this one, and I actually like him in every aspect of this fight. Um, 
He's younger. He's more athletic. Um, he's he's rapidly learning in between fights. Uh, not quite at a, a John Jones type of level, but very similar. Um, I, I think this is going to be his true coming out party. Uh, I, I think on the feet, technically, Noguera probably has the better boxing, but Cain Velasquez has shown uh, rapid improvement fight by fight in his stand up. Um, you know, we talk about how he how he can't punch hard. Um, but I think he punches hard enough. Um, I don't think he's going to knock out Noguera with one shot standing on the feet, uh, but I think we can all agree that he can take Noguera down at will if that's what he chooses to do. And I don't think Noguera is necessarily a threat, a threat to knock Cain Velasquez out on the feet. Um, I think Cain Velasquez can decide where this fight goes and how it goes. Uh, certainly, Noguera is, is obviously the biggest threat in, in the heavyweight division off of his back, uh, but I think Cain Velasquez obviously is going to have been training um, a, a lot of submission defense in this one. Uh, I think he's going to take him down. I think he's going to punish him. Uh, he has a relentless ground and pound where I think that's what he can really improve his power on in between fights is how to get his weight behind his punches on the ground while still knowing that he has position and that he can keep somebody down. Uh, I expect to see you know the next evolution of Cain Velasquez in this fight and I have him pulling off the, the big shocker and stopping no gear in the second round. All right, Anwar, we've got two arguments to this fight, two different sides picked here. Uh, which side of the line are you on? I'm on the no gear line. Uh, I can't. I, Velasquez is, is a well-rounded fighter. He's coming to his own. He, you know, it's shown that he can take a punch, you know, when he's coming, you know, with the Czech Congo fight. You know, he worked on his instincts. As soon as he took the punch, he fell to the ground. He was able to somehow go for the takedown. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of skill. So the problem is when you're fighting a guy like Nogueira who has all that experience and all that skill, it's not like that Nogueira is a fighter that just has a lot of fights. He's a fighter that learns from each and every single fight, and he uses it to to an extent which is it's really very Randy Couture-like, where his, his game plan and his mental game is usually really well. Again, you, people can say whatever about the Frank Mir fight, but at the same time, is I'll still take Nogueira over Mir every day of the week. But Nogueira, Velasquez, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be really tested in this, and I think that he he probably will. He won't look as bad in, in losing, but I think Nogueira is just gonna look a lot better in winning, and he's gonna pick him apart on the feet. And even when Velasquez gets him down on the ground, problem is he's got to do something when he's on the do something to him on the ground. And Noguera obviously knows the same thing, and Noguera is definitely no slouch on the ground. So even though Velasquez has a ground, uh, you know, the takedowns, and he can probably take a punch, he's still going to look like all he's going to have is heart at the end of the uh, fight. He's not going to have a win. So I'm going to go with a, a decision for Noguera. He's just going to grind him out. And it'll be a nice performance by Velasquez, but I don't think it'll be as well as, you know, um, Noguera will. All right, we got a two-to-one split on the two main card fights, uh, or two co-main events fights, but we'll get to the uh, prelim quick picks here, guys. Uh, we've got four fights now on the prelim card. Uh, I- I'm thinking a couple of these will likely make air, but uh, just want to get who you like and why. Uh, how does this one go down? Uh, James Tahuna and Igor Pokrajic. Tahuna making his UFC debut, uh, one of uh, uh, an Australian fighter, uh, from New Zealand, uh, but he's fought his entire 15-fight career in Australia. He's ranked as the number one light heavyweight 
um, in Australia. Uh, I like Tahuna with the second round TKO. I, I just haven't liked what I've seen of Pokradzic, at least on the ba- big stage. Uh, I, I think Tahuna can take him down and uh, ground him, and ground and pound him out in this one. And Mark, quick pick here. I got to go with Tahuna on this one. I think. I think he just. He, I, saw, I was able to catch a couple of his fights online, so I could kind of get it caught up with him. He was one of the only fighters on the, the card I didn't really know. And he looked like he was very aggressive, and he just, I don't know, he looked like he could actually probably do something in the UFC. But, you know, I think with uh, 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 Igor, I just called him by first name, sorry. Um, I think he, he'll give him, I think it's going to be a decision, and I think it's going to be a boring decision. But Tahuna, I think, is going to really... I think he might open some eyes up. Matt, who are you liking and why in this one? I like Tahuna as well, if for no other reason than it just kind of feels like he's being set up for a win in front of the hometown crowd here. Uh, so I'll go with the safe route and say he wins a decision here. CB Dalloway against Goran Reljic. Um, this would be a really easy, easy pick if uh, Reljic wasn't coming off a 21-month uh, injury layoff. He had back surgery in that time. Um, but he's an undefeated fighter who, uh, you, you know, went, uh, made a, made a big splash in his debut over Wilson Govea, uh, picking up a TKO and, uh, the fight of the night in that one at UFC 84. Um, I, I like him a lot still despite the, the layoff. I think it'll take a little bit longer than it might, might have taken him, um, without the ring rust, but I like him over Dalloway with the first round submission. Matt, who are you liking here? I like CB uh, in a little upset on this one. Um, uh, you're right. If, if this was all things being equal, we uh, obviously take Goyan Reljic in, uh, in a second. But I think he's been out for almost two years. Uh, that's going to be uh, a lot to overcome. I think CB Dalloway drags him into the deep end of this fight, uh, staps his gas tank, and, and rides out a decision win here. Anwar, where, where are you going with this one? You know... Again, I agree with both of you guys. If, if uh, Rosic wasn't coming off the surgery and off the layoff, you know, blah, 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 you know, he'd be the pick. But Galloway also doesn't seem that's an easy pick to begin with because he just seems he's very, he's not mediocre. He's not a mediocre fighter, but he's not an easy. He's like right between mediocre and good if there was one to spot. And I think in a weird way, like we were talking about Igor and uh, Tahuna, how Matt was saying Tahuna is being primed for a win. I think in a Relic in a way is being primed for a win, and I'm not saying that CB Dalloway is a walkover, or you know, but I, I just don't see him doing much. So I, I got uh, Relic by TK on the second. Uh, next up, Chris Lytle against Brian Foster. Um, Foster looked awesome in his last fight against Brock Larson, um, and, and looked decent in his uh, uh, fight of the night loss in his fight before that. Um, but he's got a guy in Lytle here who has never been finished in his UFC career by TKO um, and, and who almost never has a, a bad fight. I, I think we're going to be in for another patented Chris Lytle brawl um, that probably goes for a while. I'm, I'm going to take him to, to land the finishing blow in the third round, but uh, would not be surprised at all if this one goes to the judges' scorecards just because many of Lytle's fights have. But uh, I'm taking Lytle with the uh, knockout blow and, uh, hoping this one makes the main card. And what are your thoughts here? I gotta agree, Chris Lytle with the uh, KO. I mean, he's just re- he, you know, Lytle. I can you can always guarantee Lytle was going to put on a show. And I have a feeling you're right, Jamie. I really do think it's actually going to get on the main card somewhere or another. 
we were going to end up seeing this fight. Um, you know, Lytle just seems like he's going to really control this fight and on the seat. He's got a decent, you know, it's a good ground game. And, you know, Foster showed a lot of heart in his loss to Rick Story. And, you know, of course, he came out with a Brock Larson, Brock Larson, uh, KO. I mean, he's going to, I think Foster, um, in the end, will actually be a better fighter after this fight. I think he'll learn a lot from it, fighting a guy like Chris Lytle, who's just such a veteran of the game. And I see him learning and actually becoming better from it, but I see Lytle taking the win, and actually, hopefully, the next car, next time he's fighting, he's going to be on the main card so we get to see him in all his glory. <laughs> so I got Lytle by TKO. Matt, Lytle or Foster here? My picks are either going to be really good or really bad, because uh, I've got... Foster in this one. Uh, I, I think uh, this is this is my dark horse pick for fight of the night. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Chris Lytle is always a game opponent. Uh, I just think Brian Foster is the the bigger, stronger, younger fighter here, and he and he has the skill set to win this fight. Um, I think on the feet, slight edge to to Lytle probably, but Foster is not too too shabby there, and he's got some power in his hands. Uh, and when he gets in trouble, he can always take this fight to the ground. Uh, and, and pound on him from the top. But like you said, Lytle's never been finished, other than that, uh, you know, cut to Tiago Alves, but that doesn't really count. Um, and I don't think Brian Foster is going to be the guy to do it, but I think, uh, in a very entertaining fight, the, the takedowns end up being a difference in a decision win for, uh, Brian Foster here. Yeah, you're definitely taking the contrarian take against us here tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's where I wrote you down first. I'm not just, like, playing strategy here or anything. <laughs> Our final fight of the prelims, uh, Stefan Bonner in what is likely a must-win situation against Christoph Sashinsky. Um You know what? I, I, I don't like Kristoff's uh, wrestling in this one compared to the last two fighters Bonner has faced, and that was really the main thing that, uh, that took him out of the fights with John Jones and Mark Coleman. I think Bonner's uh, reach and striking can... Uh, definitely outpoints Sashinsky in this one. This is a fight Bonner needs to win. I think he takes the unanimous decision in this one. Uh, a lot of people are picking Kristoff to finish him. I wouldn't be entirely surprised, but I, I just I just don't see Bonner losing three straight. Um, he, he's had more time to heal from the injury that uh, that laid him off for 18 months before the John Jones fight. Um, he knows he needs to win this one. I think he's going to be able to do what it takes to pick up the unanimous decision. Uh, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, another another really good fight on this undercard, I think. Uh, whenever guys are in desperation mode, it usually brings up the best in them, and, and that's certainly what Stefan Bonner is going to be in here. I just like Bonner in, in every part of this fight. I think he's better on the feet. I think he's better on the ground. Uh, neither guy really has uh, any decent wrestling to speak of, so I don't think any fighter really has an advantage there. Um, Bonner's just a little more fluid of a fighter and a little farther along in his his progression, I think, as a fighter. Uh, I think he's going to win the stand-up exchanges, and if it goes to the ground, I think his defense will be good if he's on his back, and I think his offense will be good if he's on top. Uh, I just feel like this will be kind of a, a bit of redemption for Stefan Bonner, getting a win and, and maybe rejuvenating his career a little bit. But uh, I like Bonner by decision in this one. All right, Anwar, your uh, final pick here. Uh, I'm going to go with with Matt here on Bonner. I really, and I don't even necessarily agree that it's a must-win because I think Bonner is one of the few fighters, kind of like a Chris Lytle, that even though their records aren't going to be stellar at the end of their UFC career, in my opinion, they're still going to be in the UFC. They're just one of those guys that you'll always end up seeing. And 
I really think this is a fight that they primed for Bonner to win. It's a fight that he kind of needs right now because Shijinsky is, is a good fighter, but if Shijinsky loses, I, I still see him with the organization, so it's not a big loss. But Bonner really needs this fight, personally. But I really think that um, overall, Bonner, like like Matt said, that his wrestling is just going to be overall better. His striking is, you know, going to be a little better, and I think he's going to be able to get out of those tough situations if he gets into them. You know, everyone's talking about Shijinsky's going to take him down and try to get him into his like patented moron or whatever. But Bonner's a pro. He, you know, he's a he's a veteran. He knows he can probably get out of the situation. So I see him grinding out a decision. Well, there you have it. That's our picks here from uh, Anwar Perez, Matt Pelkey, and Jamie Pennick for UFC 110 on Saturday night. Um, everyone listening to this, be sure to tune in on Saturday. We will have a one-hour live pregame show on blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Torch. Uh, it's our new, uh, it's our debut of our MMA Torch livecast. Um, we will also have um, a, a live one-hour postgame show. Um, immediately following the event. Uh, the pregame will be hosted by uh, supervising editor Wade Keller along with senior columnist Sean Ennis, and we will be taking calls live uh, for both the pregame and the postgame show. I will be joining um, Wade and Sean on the postgame event, so make sure to tune in for that. Uh, and then look out a couple of weeks from now as uh, Matt Pelkey and myself will be um, debuting uh, the live cast as a two-hour program on Sunday afternoons. We have not locked down uh, an exact time on that, but make sure to look out for that because uh, we will be running down uh, the week's news, um, any uh, events in the horizon, and we will be taking your phone calls. That will be a brand-new feature for MMA Torch, our live cast debut um, Saturday night. So, uh, guys, thank you for joining me for uh, this preview audio, and we will talk to you again on Sunday to run down uh, the, the events of Saturday's fight card. So, uh, once again, thank you, everyone, for listening. For Anwar Perez and Matt Pelkey, this is Jamie Penick signing off.